The Holy Gospel for this Ascension Sunday is found in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning with the 44th verse. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. The Gospel of the Lord. The two stories that we just heard of Jesus' ascension seem to be St. Luke's way of addressing some of the most fundamental questions that people may have about him. If Jesus is indeed raised from the dead, we might ask, then where is he now? If he's not here, where did he go? And if he is here, where will we see him or experience his presence? In the book of Acts, which we heard first, Luke explains that after being raised from the dead, Jesus was carried up into a cloud. In his gospel story, Luke uses a different Greek word, which is often translated as heaven. But quite literally, it too means clouds in the heavens that are made up of water. But how are we to understand that explanation that Jesus was carried up into a cloud? It might help if we actually go outside and look at some clouds on this very beautiful spring day. From up here on the roof of our church, I have a nice territorial view of the clouds that are in the sky today all around me. And I'm remembering my earliest classes in school where we learned what clouds are made of. Even though they are above the surface of the earth, we learned that clouds are made up of water that rises up from the earth along with the, the dust and all the other tiny particles that are floating in the air. And then, as we know very well here in the Pacific Northwest, many of those clouds release that water back to us, and to the plants and to the lakes and the rivers and the oceans and all that lives here and depends on it. It is an ongoing cycle of creation that reflects that interconnectedness of all things. So when I see these clouds above me today, that is what I think about most. I don't see them as some detached objects that exist completely apart from me, but as kindred to all of us earth creatures who are also made up of water and dust and a spark of the divine. And when I hear that Jesus was carried up into a cloud, I hold that kinship with the clouds 
as a sign that Jesus is present again in all of this interconnectedness in an ever-expanding creation. St. John says that in the beginning of creation, Jesus was with God and that nothing came into being without him. And now I hear St. Luke saying that Jesus is reunited with that cosmic presence of God that fills the heavens, that fills all that is and all that will be. I hear him addressing our question of where Jesus went and where we see him today with the truth that Jesus did not go away from us, but more fully into us within creation, into the world and the cosmos that we inhabit together. In that truth, there are no boundaries then whatsoever to where Jesus can be seen and experienced today. And I find that to be a profoundly hopeful message for all of us. But there are other clouds that I am also thinking about. And to talk about the next one, I'll have to come down from the roof and go into the office of our media production coordinator. To me, computers like these are truly amazing because of the capacity they have to, to store and to process all kinds of data and information and then to connect me with people all over the world. But any one computer like this one here cannot do that alone. As we all know, there is something called the cloud, which means that there are a lot of things possible beyond this. And when tech people say that our data is in the cloud or that we can work on something in the cloud with others, we all know that it has nothing to do with those fluffy things in the sky. The little that I do know about it is that the cloud is a vast network of servers in data centers all over the world that are connected by the internet. And that sitting right here with this one device, I can access really what feels to me like a universe of possibilities beyond what this can store or process on its own. In a theology class that I taught a few years ago, some of the students worked for large tech companies in Seattle. And when I asked them about the cloud, they said it's not about data being absent from your computer, but about the real presence of that data in all different times and places and accessibility of that. And then when we talked about this in the context of the Ascension stories, since it was a theology class, they not only loved that image of the real presence now of Jesus everywhere, but also the interconnectivity that happens in the cloud. Surely St. Luke could not have imagined any of this, but it gives me yet another way of seeing the truth that the ascension of Jesus is not about his absence, but about his real presence in all times, in all places. And that these stories are about the way that Jesus is able to connect all of us together as one holy family. That truth about our interconnectedness through the risen and ascended Jesus was well expressed in our epistle reading today, when St. Paul calls all of us 
the body of Christ in the world and the fullness of him who fills all in all. When I hear that, I can't stop thinking about one more cloud that comes to mind from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. To remember that with you now, I'm going to go out this door and down the hallway just a little bit to the gathering space by our elevator. When I look at this work of art by John August Swanson that he calls the procession, I think of that beautiful passage in Hebrews 12 where the writer says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. For Swanson, that cloud of witnesses includes people who've lived for thousands of years before us, like Moses and Miriam and Mary and John the Baptizer, along with all of those who surround us today in the life of the faith together. And by depicting them all together here in just this unending procession, I think Swanson is inviting us to remember not only those that he has pictured here, but also the great cloud of witnesses that is known by each one of us as we think about who surrounds us and who we are connected to. For me, that cloud of witnesses includes the people that I have come to know and to love in my life and the people who surround me even now with the gifts of love and faith that I need. And here too, there are no boundaries or restrictions to the way that we are interconnected to one another. Whether it is family and friends who've gone before me, or people I've come to know in other countries of the world, or the family and the community that I'm with here and the people with whom I worship, I think that oneness that I experience with all of them is the oneness into which Jesus ascended. With the cloud of witnesses who still walk this earth with me, that's the oneness that is shared for me around tables, on Zoom, in prayer, in intercession, and in the pure joy of being together. With those who have gone before me that I think of, it is still an experience of that, that sweet and mystical oneness, which is really no easier to describe than these ascension stories that we have heard today. It's the oneness that I experienced a few mornings ago when I went out on my front porch to enjoy a cup of coffee. The clouds to the east were just beginning to part and the morning sun just came flowing out of them. And it immediately brought to mind one of the first prayers that I learned from my parents, which begins, God, we thank you for the night and for the blessed morning light. And in just remembering that prayer, I felt so connected to them. I didn't see my mother or father sitting there next to me, but I knew that I wanted to say something to them from the bottom of my heart to thank them. So I just started to talk. Speaking out loud, I thanked each one of them for the gifts that they shared with me. And then I began to thank aunts and uncles 
that came to mind that were so important to me in my life and other family members who have died and risen with Christ. It brought me such joy that morning, and I wondered if it was anything like that great joy the disciples of Jesus had at the end of the story today when they go back to Jerusalem filled with joy even after Jesus has left and ascended to the cloud. Joy is what filled their hearts, Luke says, as they returned to the temple and as they gathered together continually to, to bless God. The song that we sing now proclaims that joy in beautiful ways and it invites us to join our voices with every person and every community, every part of creation that blesses God for the oneness that we share. Thanks be to God. Amen.